Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. On this week's episode of Courageous Wellness, we welcome Trisha Huffman of Your Joyologist. Trisha is a fellow podcast host, speaker, writer, coach, mentor, and manager of integrity. Her mission in this world is to be the reminder that we all must find joy, fulfillment, and enoughness in the now. That it is not out there somewhere, and it never will be. It is within you, right now, as you are. She encourages her audience to have goals and dreams, but not to wait for them to come true before being happy. Today in our conversation with Trisha, we have a raw and emotional discussion about self-love, self-care, and how Trisha as a teenager was able to work through her own feelings of not wanting to live anymore. We also go into how she was able to make the career shift from a successful touring live sound engineer, a job that is still mostly male, to a professional career in wellness. We can't wait to hear what you think of this episode and know you will love Trisha as much as we do. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic offers superfood coffee and elixirs to upgrade your daily routine. The powerful antioxidants, antiviral effects, and immune-boosting properties of mushrooms transform your cup of joe from an energy-boosting treat to a health-enhancing choice. Along with mushroom coffee, Four Sigmatic also offers mushroom elixirs, mushroom hot cocos, and other shroom-filled products. Erica uses the lion's mane in her morning superfood coffee, and even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains myataki mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout, and there's also a direct link in our show notes. Thank you for joining us, Trisha. Thanks for having me. We're excited to talk to you today. Um, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, I know you've had a, a long evolution as far as what your personal wellness journey has been, but can you start from your teenage years where you've discussed a pivotal moment in your in your teenage sort of experience um, and how that's evolved into the work that you do today? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I was always battling something, physical problem, like stomach problems, headaches, migraines, all things going on. And my mom was a nurse. So she took me to all sorts of doctors, the specialists. Like, so I, I just remember like always 
not feeling great, but it also was not like I played soccer. I could play with my friends. Like it wasn't like I was bedridden or I had a fever. You know, now they call like invisible illness back then. That wasn't like anything. So, um, yeah, I was in a lot of physical pain and that would make me then not be able to sleep. And also, yeah, at that time I was 15, a freshman in high school, which I think is just a challenging time in general where it feels like the whole like, what am I supposed to be doing, saying this, like, do want to fit in and be cool or whatever it was. So like a lot of pressure and um, of just, yeah, like that we put on ourselves, but from society of, you know, am I thin enough? All of that. What clothes do I wear? We make like these things be so huge. And then I was suffering physically. And it also kind of felt like nobody believed in me. Even though my mom did take me to those doctors, it did get to a point where it felt like I was kind of a burden. Like my dad even felt like that for sure. Like it kind of felt like he maybe didn't believe I was sick. Um, and my sister had gone off to college. So it was just us. My mom worked like crazy. She would do whatever she could for us. I mean, they weren't in a great relationship either. And I, yeah, I just remember one day, like, I did think about committing suicide a lot because, I mean, my experience of life was not that great and I felt terrible and it didn't even feel like people believed in me or that there was any hopes for anything getting better. Um, and my dad had sleeping pills, so I knew I could just, yep, I'll take the sleeping pills or like we lived in a condo at the time. Maybe I can jump off the condo. Uh, like, I really spent time thinking about it. And then one day, I it was like... <laughs> It was so ridiculous, but my, I think my my grandmother was coming over for like brunch and that meant I was going to have to like sit and eat with my family and I became very like isolated. And again, like I had friends, I did stuff, I played soccer, but at the same time, like I also wanted to isolate myself. And so I was like, I'm going to have to sit at a table with my family today. And that drove me to like hitting a really low <laughs> But which made me then choose, though, okay, so either commit suicide or what if you tried life a different way? I don't think I put it in that language when I was 15, but it was sort of like, I'm not happy in my life, period. It wasn't just like, it was very much caused by the physical pain, but it was a lot of things. And I didn't even want to sit at a table with my family. Right. <laughs> like for an hour or two and be like poised in front of my grandma who I, my grandma was fine. It wasn't like I had like an yeah. <laughs> evil grandmother. And so, yeah, I like remember just like having this choice of like, okay, I'm going to choose life a different way. Like, and also seeing that I'm, what that mainly meant for me, it was to stop caring so much about what everybody else thought wow. that I somehow realized that I was, couldn't help the physical pain I was in, but so much we are all so weighed down with what does everybody else think right if I do this if I wear this if I say this if I say I'm gonna you know pursue this career whatever it is if I raise my hand in class what does that mean like so many things we are constantly like so hard on ourselves and make everything so hard so I chose to live life a different way and that became like my self-love journey starting there, which has, you know, still evolving and there's mm -hmm. still so many layers of like me knowing that back then at 15, choosing that I love myself over anything or anyone else and to trusting myself and to listening to myself. So it, it started back then. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, know. I was just going to say, it's amazing to me that, that you had that awareness at 15 I mean, that's pretty incredible that you could see, I don't know if there was like a pivotal moment at the dinner table or whatever it may have been, but that you saw there was 
sort of a choice that you had and that you made that choice? It was before because I like locked myself in the bathroom, like had big mental breakdown writing in the mirror in red lipstick, like Mm -hmm. sort of thing of like drawing my picture, my family here and me out there. Like it was like bananas locked in my room going crazy. And I finally remember it like chose okay, I'm going to try life a different way. I'm going to stop caring so much about what everybody thinks, meaning my parents as well. And that then I turned the shower on as hot as it could go and like just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And I've tried to get in the shower as hot as it could go after that. And I could never do it. And I was in there for like 20 minutes, Mm. like my skin red, like (laughs) it was like a spiritual experience or whatever that I don't know. And it really was like, I mean, of course it was an evolution from then, but just like we put so much pressure on what does everybody else think of us? Yes, we do. Especially as women, I feel like more than anything. Did anybody know how bad it was at that time? Did you, had Mm -mm. had you confided in anyone? Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think too, it's like so interesting because we want to isolate, right? Like you said, like you were so involved in one way but inside you wanted to yeah isolate. I don't think I told any friends that I was even yeah. like and that I mean I remember that I'm getting starting to tear up because like I remember that being part of it even like going to school and my friends not asking me why I wasn't in school anymore and so feeling like well nobody does care so it would be fine if I disappeared or my mom's too busy working to provide for us so that we could have the things or whatever but yeah it felt like nobody cared yeah, it's such it's just such a good reminder, like of not judging a book by its cover, right? Yeah. If there's From the outside, I know that I seemed so strong, so I don't care what anybody thinks about me even before this. That yeah. I was still a different, you know, fifteen year old than many. I wasn't like a conformist. So even though I had that on, from the outside, I probably seemed like, Oh, there's cool independent Trisha <laughs> who doesn't care what she thinks at that point yeah. before making that choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good reminder because I think suffering, like you said, you know, we, we mentioned um, uh, invisible illness from a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. but that also applies to a lot of mental and emotional health yeah. issues as well. And, you know, you hear these stories of people like losing it and, being like that came out of nowhere family members of theirs like I had no idea like I had no idea he was so depressed or I had no idea and it's a good reminder to just like sometimes check in with people even if you just assume hey things are like looking fully together yeah you know we as humans are really good at hiding that sometimes yeah that was there was like I don't know where it came out of I feel like when the big me too movement came up, whatever, then the, the like check on your strong friend was like something that went around. And I resonated with that so much because I still to this day will sort of will get in my head. Nobody cares about me. Yes. Nobody cares about me. But meanwhile, nobody knows I'm going through anything because I'm so used to not opening yeah. up to people that's going on. But I'm then that person. I will start yeah. to live into the story. Well, nobody even cares. Nobody's checking on me. Don't they know? And like, well, yeah, it would be nice if somebody was just checking on me for the heck of it but that I'm so good at everything looks great and Trisha is so open so she would be open with us right but yeah when the hardest stuff is coming up for us to face then we end up shutting it down and then isolating ourselves and feeling more alone and feeling like nobody cares (laughs) yeah I can relate so much I'm definitely definitely that person but 
yeah, that's why I'm so interested too. So in this progression, how did you change? How did you start taking steps to make those changes, right? That you were like, I'm in my shower. I have to do something different. Yeah. How did it grow from there? So it did. It really was giving myself a lot of permission to like trust myself and to listen to myself, whether it was, yeah, I can talk to that. You know, I can talk to that girl, even though she's not a popular girl or like whatever and be friend. I can go to this. I can wear this like to stop getting out of, you know, I'm really big these days on not using the word should. Mm. But that didn't come until much later. But I think already back then I was already sort of navigating like w- without again, I didn't know the languaging or like, but I think I did start to question myself and like, why, why do I feel like I have to do this or that I can't do this? Because it was a lot of, oh, if this is what feels like acceptable if I do this. But like really listening to like getting in touch with my intuition at an early age, like from that just questioning of again, or like, well, what is this all for? Like, what, like, why am I here? And that it also was when I chose to live, I think I have always been very aligned to, I chose to live. Yes. So like, why am I going to go do this thing that I don't want to or pretend I don't like that person because of that. Like I chose to live. So what's more important? I love that. Do you think, how did you grow up? Did you grow up in like a spiritually conscious household? Like, (laughs) you know, like where did this come from? Right. Cause I don't know. I (laughs) didn't, uh, yes and no. Like I grew up like going to all Catholic schools. I was in all Catholic girls school at that time, but I do not, I was not attacked, like very much not with the Catholic (laughs) Uh, you know, from an early age, from like a nun that had said them to me when I was younger or whatever. So I don't, I don't know. I do always feel like I had some sort something strong within me that like, again, like let me at least acknowledge that like, I have an opinion. Do you Mm want to listen to that one or all these other people's opinions? So how did this now, because because this experience and, and getting tapped into your intuition happened at a pretty early age for you. I mean, I'm hearing you talk about this and I'm like, oh, I had that experience. Not not the same with the like choosing to live, but with the um, really understanding and trusting my own intuition at about age 31, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's something that obviously happens at different times for different people. And the moment it starts to happen, there's like an enormous amount of freedom yeah. that comes with that. So, having sort of had this realization maybe without the language at that age how did that then develop as you developed and became an adult how did that develop and did you continue to be able to use it into your early adulthood yeah I mean I think like I said that was it was a pretty big deal that like choosing to live and I remember you know knowing I wanted to be a part of the music industry, even though I didn't know much, I didn't play anything. I didn't really know anything. And I was like, no, I'm going, I like, I only, I only went to college because of that was like, I said, it's like the one thing I did for my parents, but I specifically chose this liberal arts school. I had a music business program, but I knew I wanted to be a sound engineer, but I didn't know what it was called. And so many people, you know, my parents, my friends, like everybody was like, tried to talk me out of that or just did not understand and so I remember being so strongly aligned with no this is what I'm doing Mm -hmm. like I don't care and so I definitely like I'm you know really was connected to intuition back then and also I think some bullheadedness of like I'll show you um (laughs) ness but um yeah my evolution with intuition I think has definitely like ebbed and flow I think that I've always had a strong connection to it I think that there's definitely been times in my times in my life too where I I I've ignored it 
um, because of, yeah, what we should be doing or what's expected or this is feels easier to just stay on this path than to leave it and start another one, even though it, I can tell that I'm out- outgrowing this. Um, and that was, so that was a big thing. And that's probably why when my father passed away, so I did become a live sound engineer <laughs> and make that happen. And, um, and I was doing that for like, yeah, like nine years. And it was like me living my biggest dream out. But I did was feeling nudges of like, okay, I don't think I want to do sound anymore. I still wanted to be in that world. I quit and like became a production coordinator at a venue. And then somebody called me to go back on tour. And I went back on tour. Then I'll, maybe I'll try tour managing. Like I knew I wanted to stay in the music industry but people kept calling me to go back on tour to do sound and I didn't not like it. And it was an amazing job and I was good at it and I got paid good money. So I would keep saying yes. Um, but when my father passed away suddenly, that's what made me finally stop. And I even like, I kept touring. I flew from his funeral to Australia and like tried to tour for a couple of weeks. And I finally was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I, th- gave the tour away to someone else. Like, so I was supposed to be on tour the entire year. And I said, I can't do sound anymore. I'm done. This tour is yours. And then a couple weeks later, I'm like, what did I do? Like, what am I going to do with myself? I could have just said, I can't do, you know, the spring tour and I'll be back in summer. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And how am I going to make money? And what, you know, and I, then I was like, Trisha, like, but no, like you, really don't want to be doing sound like that is what you wanted you could have said but I was like I'm done I'm never doing sound again and when my father passed away that is when I suddenly was like I'm done with the word should and it does seem because I'm actually writing a book right now about how giving up the word should like changed my life and made me like the most mindful person I know and so I've been in that and it's, I have no idea where that came from. And I don't even feel like I was someone that really lived a life of shoulds, but it just came up to me like, I'm done with this word. And I was so committed to not saying it. And what that really did was really tie me into my intuition mm-hmm. because I wouldn't say the word. And most of the time where should comes in, I'm like, where should, and most of the time want was the word that would to replace should and that then even today I don't say the word should but it can still come up in my thoughts I didn't I told you guys when I got here I had a migraine yesterday I hadn't forever so I felt terrible and I was a little bit like worried about today I was like what am I gonna do I have a full day in LA and I heard myself say well like what should I do and I'm like oh like okay should like so let's reframe that well what do I want to do yeah like a big part of me wants to lay in bed today in the dark and be quiet and like just drink water I think that that'll feel good and then I was also but well what also do I want I really do want to record this interview and I want to do the other things that I've signed up for today and there's really also no other time to do I could reschedule it, but it might take months and you know so it, it from switching to should to month I, should to one, I ex- get to explore all of the possibilities and the whys like yeah and so like okay and that makes me then be not, I got to get in my car and sit in traffic now. Then I'm like, yeah, I want to do this interview. I'm really excited about it. Like I'm showing up to things differently in my life because I'm constantly weighing out, not just a should and going along with it. So I'm constantly tied into my intuition and being mindful of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And so I think that that has been huge for like actually listening to myself and to my intuition. Because like I said, even though I don't say the word, it still comes up of to me course. constantly. And sometimes I can't hear the word. But this morning I literally heard in my head, what should I do? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, no, this but is- I see it as an opportunity of like, OK, well, like I can cancel. That's OK. Like they would understand if I was sick and yeah. I didn't want to. But like, <laughs> no, it's such a it's like revolutionary, even though it's so simple. Right. Like it's 
just I'm having like a mind explosion yeah. <laughs> as you're speaking because I think that word should right it does lead us away from our intuition like you're saying yeah. it also I think just thinking while you're talking I'm like wow how many times has it led me to like sadness or you know all these like you know lower condition emotions right yeah. that we all feel but we oftentimes feel them because we're putting ourselves in situations that we don't have to put ourselves in right it's like yeah. this external pressure that's just coming from not being in tune with yourself yeah. so I think this is such an important like lesson that you've developed I'm so excited to read <laughs> your book about it because just that one switch can make such an impact in our lives I have a friend who's also been talking about this concept for a while now, just with our little friend group. And something that's interesting is when you try, and I haven't gotten there yet fully, but try to choose a different word. As you said, it's often replaced with want. Mm -hmm. But then you actually have to take responsibility mm -hmm. for everything. Instead of it being like this external pressure, yep. you're then being like, your agency is in full swing yeah. for your life. And that's a really interesting thing. It really shifts the like obligatory stuff that we yeah. put on ourselves, which I'm queen of feeling like, oh, obligation. But when you then are able to say like, no, this is something I want to do. I'm choosing to do this. Mm -hmm. Then it's not, it's not on anybody else. Yep. It's on you. And then, then like the actions in your life start to align with what you actually want, which is, I think what you're, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so many, and that's what, um, there's so many ways that it's impactful and it is like, so often we use that word unconsciously. So people will not realize, you know, there's the different thing between the concept of don't shit all over yourself right. and actually using the worst. So I'm talking about, no, I do not allow myself to use the word. And so then I'm constantly navigating and asking myself questions because it's so embedded into our language that even though I gave it up over 10 years ago, it wow. still comes up to for me constantly. So I'm st constantly renavigating it and then asking myself. So yeah, like seeing like we always have a choice in everything. Yeah. And that will I say like with the shoulds, you're outsourcing all of your life choices, but like by putting yourself in once, it's like you're putting yourself in the driver's seat of your life. Right. And you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't be like blame it. And the same thing you were talking about, the ugly, like, yeah, that's another, like, I'm like, I'm loving this. It's like now that I'm actually getting into writing, it's like I have a chapter like that should is the root of doubts and fears and judgment and comparison. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly actually paying attention to that word in your life, then every time it comes up and you're tuning into, oh, what is this? Yeah. We should try to do that as a challenge <laughs> yes. for ourselves. And you realize you said it as we should. Yes. Mm -hmm. We, we, <laughs> it's, it's so embedded. When I have conversations with people, when they try to edit it out, okay, I'm going to crazy because they're like, gonna, I can't stop right. saying it. Okay. I'm going to redo that. I want to do that as a challenge for myself, but maybe we could do it together. <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> We want to take a quick moment away from this episode to tell you about today's sponsor, Beekeepers Naturals. Beekeepers Naturals is a wellness company specializing in innovative nutraceuticals made from healing hive compounds and plant-based ingredients. Their mission is to improve people's health naturally and save the bees. Erica and I love these products and have been using them since December when CEO and founder Carly Stein was featured on the podcast. I use their bee pollen in my smoothies and love the superfood cacao honey, but my favorite is the bee chill hemp honey. 
It delivers a powerful 28 milligrams of hemp oil per teaspoon so that you can find your bliss. Made with USA-grown hemp, it is non-psychoactive and contains 0% THC. I take it most evenings before bed or after a long day at work to completely relax and sleep through the night. It also curbs my sweet tooth since it is so delicious. What about you? Well, you know I love the propolis spray more than anything, but I also love the Beelixir brain fuel. It's a caffeine-free liquid vial with ingredients like ginkgo biloba and royal jelly that is really great for fighting brain fog and enhancing focus and concentration without any jitters. If you want to try Beekeepers Naturals, you can receive 15% off your Beekeepers Naturals order by using the code COURAGEOUSWELLNESS all one word at checkout or visit beekeepersnaturals.com slash courageous wellness. And you can also find that direct link in our show notes. Now back to the episode. It's so interesting too, because even then, right? Like if you had canceled today or if you had, when you do things that when you say no to something else, but you're ultimately saying yes to yourself, it helps you develop deeper conviction, right? And I think my big like Saturn return, whatever we want to call it, when I had to learn how to use my intuition was like that 28 to 30. And it was really a lesson in learning how to have conviction in myself. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Mm. I'm a Libra. I, I'm very... I just want to make everybody happy and I have a really hard time making decisions in general, like in terms for myself. I'm great in like certain areas, but I am, I was a very intense people pleaser and it was a really hard lesson to be like, well, I should do this because or else that person's going to be upset or they could leave me. I've, you know, all my issues. Right. But learning to be like, no, I have to take care of myself. Right. So it wasn't shooting, but it's, it's the same, you know, it's, it's, it would have been so easy if I had had that word because right. I think it would have helped the process not maybe take because you know, as so, long. so often it's embedded in our language so people don't like it's in every choice you're making like all day long and so if you start to examine that's what I'm saying it actually and I even second guessing like I was you know throughout as a subtitle or I wrote it for an article one time before like how eliminating the word should from my life made me the most mindful person I knew and then I was like oh that's a lot Trisha yeah right I'm like rolling my eyes as I say it but then in conversations now when I'm talking to people about it, like, wow, like, no, that is like, it makes me so mindful <laughs> like yes. because I am in aware and in control of all the choices I'm making or yeah, if I had canceled, then I would have been able to do that with integrity exactly. because I had examined, well, why am I doing that? Exactly. And I would have done it with like, but let's, how can I make it up to you and not, you know? Well, completely. And I think that's, that's exactly it. And when you live from that place, it's like the people who are supposed to be in your environment stay in your environment and the people who aren't or the things that aren't, they aren't there anymore because you're not aligned. That was at least my lesson of learning how to really have conviction in my choices and, and live for myself. Truly. It was like, wow, maybe some people or things aren't going to stay in that orbit, but that's okay because the right people are. And that was a really, that can be hard too. Cause sometimes when you stop shooting and you start wanting, I'm sure that happens too, where your environment shifts. That's what it is. It can be like a challenging thing. Cause you might be then realizing like, Oh, I should, you know, 
go to this party or I should do this for my friends because they did it for me or whatever it is that like sometimes you realize that you've been doing a lot of things that don't make you happy and that you feel resentful for and now you actually have to face these things and what do I want and figure that out and then like oh that means you actually have to start having some challenging conversations or some honest conversations because you've been avoiding a lot of things because it was just easier to should even though that left you resentful and unhappy and unhealthy exactly or like why doesn't that really why don't I want to see that friend like what exactly it's like what about this situation doesn't feel good but I'm doing it because I should right it's so oh but I've been friends with them since I was 15 so I should go out with them when they're in town even though I feel like crap every time I'm with them yeah it's amazing too as you just brought up it is embedded in language even just saying that just now I I wasn't mindful of the fact that it even came out of my mouth which sort of just blew my mind (laughs) because conceptually I'm like yes I'm on board but you know know it really makes you become aware too that I don't know I think that language so affects behavior and vice versa right like that it's really embedded and then um also that if your language can align with your actions then I think that actually is the definition of integrity yeah is when what you say is also what you do it's like one in the same um so I'm gonna just think about that yeah it's funny because I you know I have my own podcast claim it and I don't correct everybody but sometimes if a person constantly says should then I'll be like okay and I'll be like let me just tell you whatever and like you know because I like can't deal with the constant should so I'll give this some exclamation and then they'll be like okay I'm gonna try to work and it's so funny like they their minds will be blown because they everything that comes out of their mouth is still a should and I'm like you just I was like I'll just start reframing I'm like let's continue the conversation but every time they say something and I would like just reframe it for them as I want and they'd be like I cannot they're like how do you, you how do I talk if I don't use the word, I'm like, yeah, like think it's of how hard. conscious. And then it made me so conscious because of just paying attention to one word. Yeah. But it made me so conscious of what I was thinking and feeling at all times without that word as well. Mm-hmm. So like just focusing on that one word made me so mindful and it still keeps me so mindful because we are constantly evolving and growing. And so what once was a want may now be showing up as a should. Right. And it's like constantly having to reevaluate myself and well, what, why am I doing this? Yeah. So when you left being an on, on the road engineer. sound engineer, did you, um, did you went through this time where you, you weren't quite sure what you were going to do with yeah, your life? So that's was like gonna- March of 2008 and I left that tour and I didn't know what I was going to do and that's when I gave up the word should and so that ended up being really helpful because then I was asking myself what do I want all day long Mm -hmm. and I definitely had some like I was really into like because of my own wellness journey as well and taking care of myself with fibromyalgia I was like really into raw food with it. I was like, I'm going to sell raw pies and I'll do that. Like, I like that's, you know, like, so some of my ideas were like, I just went to Thailand. I got ear candling. I will offer ear candling to the artists coming through on tour. Like why would somebody on tour, like trust some random girl with putting candles in their ear before they <laughs> played? Like, so I'm like, I didn't have like all the greatest ideas. And I was trying to think of some quick money-making opportunities throughout the summer. But it eventually led me to creating um, a position that, became named as a joyologist I didn't name myself actually but what I saw was so also because of my own wellness journey throughout the years on tour and wanting to live and following my dreams that I like actually wanted to show up every day 
Um, so that led me to like figuring out what made me feel the best. So I'd like wake up and do yoga, get off the bus and like do yoga. I stopped eating gluten in 2004 because it realized it had like a profound impact on my body and helped with my fibromyalgia pain. Like, so I was very conscious of what I did with my body Mm -hmm. and what I was taking in. And most of the tour was not including like the people on the tour. Um, I mean like the singers, like the lead person of the tour were not being that well taken care of. So what it ended up happening was thinking, well, also then seeing too, I was living my biggest dream out. I became this live sound engineer that people were like, we don't even know what that, what you're doing and how it's going to happen. It's also a man's world. There's only like yeah. 10 women that have ever made it to the level I made it at. So it was, I faced a lot of yeah. judgment and people not believing in me and all of that. And my, I realized I had developed a lot of like mindset. Again, didn't know any of this languaging back then, but I had realized I had learned a lot of mindset and coping switches for like to turn the noise out of what everybody else was saying to me and to believe in myself and get reconnected to myself. One of the tattoos on me is represents my favorite quote, which um, is now I'm like, wait, what is it? (laughs) The only person, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. And that was so major for me when I was starting to do sound and everybody was judging me for being a young girl. And that then became for everything in life. No one can make me feel inferior with my consent without my consent that I'm consenting. I'm inferior. Like, right. So then I also got to see over the years that no one can make me feel anything without my consent. Joy, successful, fulfilled, loved even. You could have the most amazing people in your life, but you won't feel that if you are feeling that you're unworthy of love. Um, And I saw this for the artists I was on tour with that were singing their own songs to tens of thousands of people that were singing them, the words back to them that had plenty of money that could fly off on private jets. You know, they even had great relationships in their lives. So I was seeing these people that we look up to that have it all are still not feeling fulfilled, joyful, successful, worthy enough. Right. And so that led me to creating this position on the road as a joyologist where I kept artists because, again, I, I knew I, I just I couldn't get around away from the live touring world. <laughs> um, so I created a new job for myself with, you know, leaning on this should want thing for really like helped me. And then no one can make me fear and fear with my no one can make me feel inferior without my consent. Cause also I'm a lot of people told me I was crazy. What are you going to, that job you're going to pay you for that. Right. So again, a lot of my stuff has been believing in myself and the not shoulds. And so, um, yeah, so I went on tour then for another, I don't even know, eight years or something. Wow. Maybe not that many. I don't know how many years it was as a joyologist. So then I would take care of the artists, feeding them healthy food, leading them through yoga, making them dressing room nice, talking them out through things like lifting them up when they were down, grounding them down when they might have been a little attitude Because also, you know, whether you're a CEO of a company, boss somewhere, or the lead singer of a tour, if you're upset, people aren't going to like tell you to get yourself in check. They're like, then everybody else walks around and is in a bad mood and we, on eggshells. Right. And I was like, that's bullshit. Yeah. I would be the person like, what's going on with you? What are you going to do about it? Right. <laughs> you, because it's you being pissed off or you in a bad mood. So what is it about? What are you going to do about it? Because it's again, like I could go fix it. Okay, we fire that person or you, you tell right. them that. And then you're still going to probably be pissed off about something, you know? So it's like keeping them accountable. And eventually, Jason Mraz was the guy that I toured with a lot is that. <laughs> One year, he titled, he gave me a new title as Manager of Integrity. Wow. Yeah, so he then 
was like my new title was manager of integrity. I like of that. integrity. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You speaking about that. I come from a performing arts background and I've done the touring and I've done the like international contracts abroad for years, you know, it, wow. and it's, I understand the lifestyle. I was not in the, a uh, more of like the musical theater yeah. world, but, um, understand, you know, the, the music business. And I think a lot of the reason a lot of artists, um, also struggle with drug addiction is because you have such highs and lows as an artist and especially when you're getting that kind of love and praise yeah. from tens of thousands of people and you get the incredible adrenaline high that you get on stage and then you have to deal with the dips after that and and that can really start to affect people emotionally too so now you're explaining this job I'm like that's a great job yeah. to have on the road with artists are you kidding me like because then you have you develop skills to cope with some things that are part of that lifestyle that yeah. are part of the emotional roller coaster and you know artists bear a lot of their soul and, yeah, and that can be lot. a raw experience so if you don't have skills to cope with it sometimes you need to turn to other things to cope with it right so yeah besides all of that then also most of the times people are not approaching them to deal with their own shit yeah. or to keep them in check right you know and also there's a lot of more of enabling like I also for years, this made me think of, um, so sometimes when I wasn't touring again, I could not get away from the world. I would work as a, a like a runner for the day. So for concert productions, so everybody's on tour and every, when you're in a city at that venue, then there's someone hired on the local team to be a runner, which basically means there's someone with a van that can run errands like, Oh, we need this for groceries. Oh, the guitar, we need new, you know, guitar picks, whatever it is. Um, because they are living on a bus every day. So I would do that because that was like fun for me on my day off, <laughs> make extra money. But so one time I was a runner and um, Scott Weiland, they needed me to, I usually was just running to get people. But then Scott Weiland, it wasn't Stone Temple Pots, so the other band that he must have been, which he's no longer with us, Revolver, Velvet Revolver or something. Velvet Revolver. Was playing and I was a huge Scott Weiland fan and they were like, okay. You, the other runners are out that are supposed to do like the, you know, transportation. You have to go pick up Scott right now and his wife and he needs these things in the car. It was like he needed these six different drinks and this, whatever. And I'm like, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, I didn't have the van I was supposed to be driving. I was driving my SUV. Let me do this things. Like all freaked out. Scott, the whole team is like freaking me out. Scott's going to be this and don't talk to him and this. I go pick him up and I'm like a nervous wreck because I do like love the man. But then the, his team is freaking out because like this, I get there and I'm like, oh, and here's all your things. And he was like, what? He was like, I've never even asked for this stuff. I don't know why they do that. And then he like talked to me the entire way. Like we had the best time. And I was like, and it was just funny because he was like, I don't even want these drinks. But like his whole team is built on like Scott is not going to be happy if he doesn't have these five drinks to choose from. And it's probably because like one day he like, you know he what wanted I mean? The it's option. Like so crazy, but I mean, like yeah. there's so much enabling in that industry as well. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't do anybody. So I'm never surprised it. when yeah. you see like some pop star or whatever, like having a meltdown, shaving her head, whatever. Right. It's like, well, of course, you don't understand what their lives are like. And they're probably like their family is enabling them as well, too. Like nobody's calling them out on their shit, right. like in a heartfelt way, too. And that was the position I created for myself. That's so it's so amazing that you really created this like very necessary position because it's really hard, right, to to do these things on your own. It's very difficult, right? Like even you said, you've been even the shitting, right? 10 years and you're still like catch yourself yes. shitting. So 
you clearly have this like incredible success, right? Touring as a joyologist, but you also now, and it eventually transitioned into also coaching normal people. <laughs> I don't know. Like, like not every day. I yeah, know. I have been like, like sometimes write like, stuff like for my vibes and stuff like that. I'm like, it feels like, a, like just, you know, like everyday, everyday humans people. who aren't on international or national tours. Right. So how did that, is it the same? Like, I guess at the core, right? Like everyone probably struggles with these same things. Maybe the highs and lows aren't different, but did you have to like learn to transition from maybe a touring life to working one-on-one with everyday people? Yeah. And I mean, I, it was really hard for me because I did, I love the touring lifestyle and I do love musicians and the music world still. And I still am a part of it in different levels, but yeah, I also knew it was time for me to get off the tour. I wanted to start a family and that's what then gave me the space to, I created a product line. I have the digital app and then, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll, run a group coaching program. I'll do one-on-one. And I would, in, in sometimes when I wasn't on tour too, and I wouldn't know like the next time I was working or cause you would have chunks of months off, offer one-on-one touring. And yeah, a lot of it, it's, we're all so different, mm-hmm. but underneath that all, like we're all the same, that everybody is struggling with doubts and fears and should and blame. Like, so it really does not feel different at all to work with somebody that could be selling millions of records to, um, you know, a stay at home mom. Yeah. It really doesn't. Maybe their schedule availability is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, And obviously like what they're bringing to the table with experiences wise, but it's usually always comes back to the same sorts of things. And that's, and, and also I, what I've now, you know, realized too is that the reason I can be of such great support is because of me seeing my own shit. That it's again like I'm not like, oh, I'm better than you. It's like, oh, I know that it's always and I'm like, yeah, I get it. So this is the tool like it's that it's like what they're telling me is something so different probably that I've experienced in my own life, but at the same time has a similar thing. And then I think that we just become once you also realize these things like I'm never going to escape the shoulds. No, as yeah. much as I tune into them and I switch them and I navigate, navigate them, like then that gives me a different level of self-compassion that it's not like I don't have it all figured out yet. We're yeah. never all going to have it figured out no matter how successful, no matter how many books I write, no matter, you know, like how much I get paid for whatever that that. And so like having that compassion for myself and then having that compassion for other people that I'm like coming from like this like heart centered, oh, like holding space place. Yeah. Cause we're just all humans trying to do the best we can with we make, are. stop trying to make life so hard for ourselves. We are. So, you know, Allie and I met through Buddhism. That's how we oh. uh, became friends. And I, my parents have practiced Buddhism my whole life. Wow. So I, and it's a very, um, it's a lay Buddhist organization. It's very like self-motivated right like you chant to we chant to a scroll but like you chant to the scroll and you have to take full responsibility for your life so it's like you're in control you're in the driver's seat but it's interesting because I've had this my whole life but it's a constant practice to keep coming back to these these concepts that we're talking about because it's so hard because we're so embedded in society that's telling us one thing and but something I really like in Buddhism that reminds me of what you're saying is, you know, like there's this concept of like enlightenment, right? That we hear. Mm. And it's like, everyone thinks enlightenment is this like destination and you get there and then it's like, poof, everything is magic and easy. But actually that's not what enlightenment is at all. Like enlightenment is something you keep hitting. And then because we're human beings, we can't live on a mountaintop away. Maybe we can, but that's not serving society as a whole, right? It's like, how do we keep coming back into our humanity transforming winning over ourselves and then like it's like this constant process to keep doing it so 
we can find our missions and help other people like exactly what right. you're doing, right? We all have different missions. Some people, it's like very direct, like I'm going to have this like life experience and I'm going to, it became your mission, right? But for other people, even like the stay at home mom or the performing artist, it's like their mission is to go through their cycle so that they can give joy in their own. It's like everybody has this mission, right? To share joy. It affects people. And that's what I think two people are so like, oh, I don't have some big dream. It's like, oh, the stay at home and you're like affecting your children or whatever. You're somewhere, you're affecting the people that you work with that we all are showing up and have the power to affect the people with by how we're being that day, whether you're the sales clerk uh, you know, at Seven Eleven, or that you're having talks on podcasts, yeah, right. you know, like, yeah. Do you find you are really mindful of when you're experiencing joy now? Am I mindful of when I'm experiencing joy? Yeah. Like, do you enjoy, do you enjoy your joy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good question. And I am definitely like trying to tune back into, okay, be present. Like, you know, I think, um, I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old right now and I love them but I'm like uh, having to be like put the phone away for myself because it's so easy and not like that that's stealing my yeah somewhat is is because it's so easy these days and that most of my my social media is work my email like I have so many different levels of my business too or whatever so I can just be like oh let me just check something or whatever and so I'm right now like this week I'm like oh you like let's be more present because then yeah to be more mindful of joy because I've noticed how easy it is to like I'm walking in the store and let me just open my phone while I'm walking from the front of the store to the back of the store and like so I'm getting back to like just be present what was your life before like if you're standing in line at a coffee shop don't open your phone and scroll scroll social media like be in more in the moment again so that you can be more mindful of joy but yeah I do think I I am able to be my like I went we took my kids ice skating last weekend and that was like hilarious stuff like that but yeah what I'm saying basically is I realize I'm more mind I, I'm more able to be mindful of my joy when I have forgotten my phone somewhere on purpose yeah. <laughs> which I think is like a cross I don't know a struggle for and everyone. I don't even and, and that's for me and I'm not even someone that really gets like tied into like feeling bad about myself when right. I'm on social media or anything like I'm sure sometimes comparison stuff like does come up which I have an I call bullshit video on <laughs> on comparing yourself to others um, which came from social media scrolling but no like so I find joy even like, oh, look, somebody shared my thing or oh, right. this, somebody like so joyful moments to me in there. But yeah, that I'm like need to put this away yeah. to be more in the, in the moment. moment. Yeah. Joyful. I think we all do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard it's a hard just sort of like habit that is just prevalent, you know, yeah. in and it sort of is what it is, I guess. But to, I'm trying to be more mindful of. I guess more mindful of the mindless moments, especially with social yeah. media. I think it's easy to get just sort of distracted. And something I noticed last week, since you were saying mindful of joy, like what it's also allows more space for wonder. I was yes. getting my blood drawn last week and I was just paying like in wonder at the fact that somebody was like, Oh, if we draw blood, we can learn about people's body. Like, yeah. and then like the contraption they have these days where you just stick you once and they just keep putting the tubes in that thing. Like yeah, yeah, people yeah. invented that thing. I you know. know. Much, like, you know, like when you are like being present, there's so much more space for wonder. Like I could have been scrolling yeah. my phone while she was taking my blood. Instead, I was staring at her doing that, being in wonder of the process that, that was happening. It's so we did a great episode with uh, Britta Bushnell. I don't know if she's a, a birthing and relationship coach and oh, okay. specialist. She's, amazing um she really works with couples as they're navigating the transition to childbirth oh wow um it was wonderful but she talked a lot about like we've lost wonder like wonder is just 
completely absent from our society because you even could be having a conversation with people at dinner and being like, what year was that? Or what concert was that? And everyone just gets on their phone yeah. and they just, instead of just sitting in that moment like of wonder, to like go back in their life. Well, I yeah. don't know. I was in this great. Exactly, and I remember right? I was friends with this person or like, so ever since she said that I've been trying to live with more like wonder in my life, like it, it really did. It did impact me. But you know, I think I originally found you two through Danica Brescia, who oh, yeah. um, she's so amazing. And actually it was like her mugs. I went to the brunch series and all of your stuff was everywhere. Right. <laughs> like, cause it's so, you know, especially your products are so joyful, <laughs> but really because you're filled with affirmations and filled with reminders, which I think are important again, because again, these concepts are really hard to, to do on your own, you know, whether or not you can afford a coach or, you know, it, it's, it's really about finding tools and practices that can help you write, like yeah. remind and it's go a, back cause to. Cause it's a constant thing. It is. Yeah. yeah. So you have though, like products, you have an app, you have a podcast, you're going to have a book, you know, is there something that brings you the most joy out of all of your your work is there a favorite that you have that you get to work on you know it cycles and that's what's kind of like fun on sometimes I'll forget I even like have products sometimes I forget <laughs> I have the app like and I think that that's good too is that again because I'm more navigating from once than shoulds that I will just be like oh this is what I want like I offer one-on-one coaching for three months and then I well shut it down like because like that was great or just that so yeah it's all funny yeah I did for the holiday like oh you, this will be coming out later but I had put out new ornaments and like some like insulated mugs it. that were like really exciting for me to make like new stuff recently and and um yeah I, the phrase that's been on my key I have a keychain keychain line too and my keychain this year has been everything is going my way mm. and I realized I didn't have that on any other products and I just put it on an insulated mug and like th- I posted that on social media yesterday and so it always feels great to me when like other people are resonate like oh my yes oh my new motto my new mantra and stuff like that that like yeah what if you just believed everything is going your way even if you yeah. got stuck in traffic today and I had a migraine yesterday and I threw up and I oh I thought I'd have a book by now or like whatever it was like no everything is going my way I just don't know how yeah I think having (laughs) that you know it was actually in 2018 that I started like giving my years themes you know and I Uh know like you know we're in a new year when this episode will come out but it really helped me like you know like 2018 was the year of conviction for me so every time I was Mm, facing something yeah so every time I would go like go through something I'd come back and be like you wanted to have conviction this year. It's not going to happen just by like, right. it's like poof, I have conviction, right? It's like I had to go through challenges to get conviction. Yeah. And so this year it was faith instead of fear. Mm. And so I've had so much action. Now I'm like, oh, I don't know what to make for 2020 because it's like such a doozy. These like intentions, right? You yeah. make for the year, these mantras. So every time something comes up, I'm like, well, this is your opportunity. Even though it's like, you know, 2019 is winding down. It's like, it, it's reminded me to be like, but this is what you called into your life this year, you know? So it's, in, I just, I love that. Be it a keychain, a mug, a yeah. notebook. It's important to, to have these reminders. So, and I am, I am really proud of the app. I'm like, now if I like p- stop to think of it, I am really proud of the app because it, it, it is, it, they're all my words and it is, it's hundreds of either powerful thoughts or affirmations and some, you know, that were, some of them are collected like from my Twitter from like yeah. back in the day. And some are from a couple months ago that I wrote. And sometimes I go into my own app and get like, Oh, right. Like, yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. Yeah. I'm honestly just really proud of myself. We're, no, whereas I'm so inspired. I'm really proud of that. And app. I think our listeners are definitely going to be inspired and take so much from what you've said today. And so I have, we have a couple questions okay. that we always ask everyone as we start to wrap up. Um, you talked a little bit about, 
some of your self-care practices when you were on tour. Um, what are some things that you do to like fill up your cup every single day? How do you take care of yourself and prioritize your yeah. own self-care? And currently life is a lot different with two young kids. I, this is still something that can be challenging for me, but especially on like my work days, um, I wake up early lately it's been 5 30 and do like just 20 minutes yoga sometimes even like five minutes and I don't like do that much yoga anymore I was like such a yogi I got certified as a yoga teacher I was on toward teaching yoga whatever and now but just like doing that five anything like lately it's been 20 minutes and I'm like again like I'm pr- so proud of myself but back then you know back then I was like oh my if you're not doing an hour yoga what are you even doing right. <laughs> like so not like doing that it really changes my day and how I interact with even my kids. It makes me like not be as short and fused. And I don't know. It really is a game changer for my mindset. Other sorts of movement as well. Like, yeah, doing exercise. And again, I'm big on like just 20 minutes lately. Like I used to feel like 45 minutes, maybe 30 minutes is good enough. And now it's like, let me just do 20 minutes of something. And that helps me a lot. Something that's really big for me is reading, but like reading novels or memoirs where I just like get so into the story mm-hmm. because I real like if it's a personal development book, then I could be still like doing some sort of working in my mind or like comparing myself or like, okay, how can I apply this to my life? And if watching TV is good, but it's so easy when watching TV to let me just do some computer computer work or scroll on my phone. When I'm reading a novel or a memoir, I'm totally in it. And to me, I've realized that is such self-care because then I'm, it's like the one time I can actually just tune into one thing. Mm -hmm. Usually like laying in bed or laying on the couch. So I'm like resting vertically and like, I'm just into one thing that's for pure entertainment. That's it. It's only for me. And it's like pure entertainment. Like that's actually a major thing for me. Oh, also I have an infrared, um, sauna blanket oh Ooh, yeah I like the okay so reading like novels is like my favorite way to yeah. shut my brain off and I'm obsessed with infrared sauna so yeah like we're yeah like, when I, I lived in LA you. I was obsessed with shape house and then I didn't get up here but I bought my own infrared sauna blanket and that is amazing Ooh, that would be a good like, pre- present for Erica. I'm like by the way I'm like I can share my discount code whatever you want. <laughs> um well this actually leads very well into our next question we ask all of our guests do you have any book recommendations? It can be something from the course of your journey with your work or it can be Ooh. a novel that you're reading currently that you love. You know, when you were talking about the enlightenment thing, one book that I love is After the Ecstasy, The Laundry, which okay. is like this book of short stories. And it's sort of like that, even like Buddhist monks and like stuff that are like really like really getting enlightenment and then oh but now life again, yeah. you know. Um, I love that. I was trying to remember... I might have to look up the title and give it to you guys. And it was on that same sort of thing. And it was a book I read after my father passed away. And it was sort of like punk rock and the art of punk rock and like meditation and Zenism. It was this guy that like really got everything he ever wanted. His dreams came true. He was a musician. And then he like wanted to work at this like video game company and he like made it happen. Uh, And he got really into like Zen meditation or something and would go and study with the Buddhist monks and everything. He was doing everything and he was still so fucking unhappy. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like his biography and like this process of that. And like, you know, again, that was really like teaching that we're all in like with my like thing of too, like these people that we think have everything you want or now I got this. Like that's the whole point of why my podcast is called claim it. It's that 
It's not out there somewhere. Once I have this job, once I have this money, once right. I have this relationship, then I'll feel fulfilled. Then I'll feel happy. Then I'll feel enough. Yeah. Like this guy was like fucking chasing it and getting it. And he was still, like, still feeling it. <laughs> so uh, I can't remember the exact name. I'll have to send it to you. Okay. And honestly, we'll put it in our show notes. On novels, Virgin River, it's like a, I don't even know how many book series. I somehow, and I get all my books like digitally from the like public library. Mm-hmm. And so I basically have been reading, it's like a series of, I don't even know, 20 books. And I, it just started as a Netflix show too. Oh, really? It's a really good book to just escape to. Okay. Yeah. Right. But so I've basically been reading like, I'm on chapter like 10 or book 10 now. I'm like every, one ends and I'm like, man, download the next one. I love that. <laughs> I think so many people too don't realize that the public library has that resource. Yeah. My husband's the one who told me about it. And I was like, I love it. Who, like, where was that? Like, no, because you just be like, I want a new book to read. Oh, that one's available. I know. It's Loan, amazing. Start reading. Amazing. So where can everyone find you on the internet? Where can they find your podcast? Where can they find your products, your app, everything? Tell us it all. Everything is at yourjoyologist.com. And um, on social media, I'm at Your Joyologist. I also have at Your Joyologist shop for my products, which you can link to through that. Oh, I have a YouTube series called I Call Bullshit, which YouTube, Your Joyologist. Uh, my podcast is, yeah, is Claim It. Um, you can find that where you listen to all podcasts. Um, what else? Oh, my app. You can get the app. It's called Own Your Awesome in the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. It's only $3.99 and it's hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations. So amazing. Thank you so much. And all of this is in our show notes. So you just can look there. So thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness. Courageous Wellness.